0: okay practice any fam jam i have the absolute honor to uh have a discussion today with christina johnson who is our newest teacher you're going to be teaching mondays at 6 15 and fridays at 4 15 yes yes so uh we have a beautiful conversation planned today and mainly i just want you to talk so okay (laughs) i
1: can do
0: that um so who are you tell us about you
1: yeah, so um I am a MSW. I have a master's in social work. I have my LSW. I should have my LCSW, but I'm a bum and have not taken the <laughs> test. Um and then I have my two hundred hour from practice indie. I got that in um, May, May. May of last year and have been teaching a few places um around the city and I will begin teaching here in February. So I'm excited. Yay! I'm also a mom. A partner and a good friend hopefully
0: i i mean i would say that and you have incredible skin let's add oh, that okay. she's a great <laughs> she's wonderful maybe we'll plug her info in in the show <laughs> notes because <She's like, laughs> i'm dying to meet her um so tell me a little bit about what brought you to yoga and what keeps you practicing and teaching
1: so i was invited to yoga about six years ago from a friend um over when treehouse used to be treehouse Mm -hmm. uh i was living sort of in the area and i had this really amazing experience with dusty like i don't know dusty and she's never heard the story but um she came like it was very clear that i had no idea what i was doing it was a hot yoga class I have an athletic background, so I sort of got it from a physical perspective. But she, in a balance pose, walked over to me and just like wrapped her arms around me. And it was just like so cool the way that she saw me struggling and just like kind of realized what was happening and like just helped me stabilize. And that experience kept me coming back to my mat. Um, and then understanding that my body was not what it used to be. Uh, I played volleyball for years, played at the University of Florida. It was my body was just torn up. And so yoga for me was a way to still be physically active um, while not tearing my, my body up. And then when it changed for me when I understood that it was there was more to yoga than just the asanas and the physical practice. Um, it got a little deeper for me and that's kind of what's the journey I'm on now.
0: I love it. What would you say <clears throat> you can expect from your teaching and, and what do you... In- What do you hope to give your students when you teach?
1: So a lot of the work I do surrounds diversity and inclusion. Um, As a black woman, I never want to inflict, I guess, inflict my opinions on anybody, but I do want to let you know how I feel and so you can sort of decide for yourself what you do with that. And so how that shows up in my yoga teaching is I'll invite you to your mat to sort of stay on your mat in the way that you're not worried about what's going on around you but understand that what you gather when you're in the room i hope you take out with you and so can you get to the core of your soul and who you are and how you show up in spaces when you leave the room and so if i can get you to understand that and you know a lot of yoga philosophy is about living your yoga and doing that sort of thing but can you do it in terms of race Well, I guess we'll probably get into this, but can you do it in a way that's meaningful for others around you?
0: Mm, Yeah. And um, we will speak specifically about race today. And I think this is such a beautiful reminder of the layers that we carry. Um, And, you know, we assume all these roles. I'm a mother. I'm I'm a teacher. I'm a partner. I'm these things. Right. I'm white. I'm black. But there is that pulsating energy that's underneath it and yoga is inviting us to look beyond the layers and so you know it's i think that can also tread in like color blindness which is not ideal mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it can also invite us to look into who am I really how am I interacting with the world and then how do I take this gift which i see yoga as such a gift and and actually live it off of my mat and make sure i'm living authentically but also harmoniously and In equanimity with others. Um, So could you talk a little bit first about maybe your work separately as an inclusion and diversity trainer, Mm -hmm. which you do specifically with race, correct? Mm -hmm. Or do you do
1: broader terms than that or is it? It's usually with just race. Um, The spaces I'm invited into want me to talk about race specifically. Um, And I started doing these trainings about five years ago. I was working um, for Marion County Courts at the time. A lot of the social works space I've been in has been uh, inc- sort of caused me to talk about race. Um, and I wanted to make like a, a regimented training out of it because I see that there are areas that people really struggle with that they don't know how to talk about. And so if I can create the space for at least you to come to the table to learn these tools and learn these concepts, then we can elevate the conversation in a way where you can then go back to your job your house wherever and talk about things because you feel more empowered to you know bring them up and so a lot of times i'll talk about how uh, we outsource race (coughs) we outsource um like it's somebody else's problem when in reality change true change happens when we say something to our uncle at the dinner table when he's being ridiculous you know or you know you you have a friend who is outwardly sort of offensive to people and you call that friend in you don't call them out because that creates defensiveness and it shields the conversation you call them in to talk about maybe how they could do better
0: yeah you um came to share this work with the the mermaids mm-hmm. and what i think you do so well is you eliminate enough shame, like you, you call people in to have this work and do this work and eliminate enough shame to have an honest conversation because I, as white people, the whole world is tailored to us, for us, by us. And so uh, that creates this good bad binary of like, if you call someone a racist, um, you instantly get shameful and defensive. And what is so impressive about how you lead this work is that you lower that barrier, which shame is a useful tool when you need to change something. Right. Um, <clears throat> but in my experience, you lower that barrier so that the real conversation can happen and the real work begins, which I think is also very yogic and mm-hmm. that change is incremental and it must start individually yep. before it can be collective. And when it's happening individually, incrementally, then on a larger scale, it can happen more rapidly. Yep. Um, so can you talk, speak to the good, bad, binary and um well let's
1: start there yeah. good bad binary so i learned i don't know if robin diangelo coined the term good bad binary i don't know but i learned about it from her book uh, white fragility she's amazing i mm. love i love her work um she talks about if somebody were to call you racist like you would generally have this sort of visceral response where you like clutch your pearls and like you're deeply offended by like whatever was presented to you and she talks about the, the the good bad binary being you're not a bad person if somebody calls you racist but let's get down to why you might have been offended and so she talks about how there is this energy of racist a racist is somebody that's an individual so it's not a collective idea it's not a system which we know that there are race there's systemic issues of racism it is something that was in conscious And not unconscious. And so we know implicit bias is deeply unconscious. Sometimes you do it and you don't even realize why you did it or that you are doing it. And it was something that is malicious or you're trying to be mean. And that is not what racism always is. It can't be what it is. When you think about like the KKK, that is some pretty explicit racism right, right? so we know what's happening but the good bad binary is taking away the the defensive shield of being like offended that somebody called you racist and really getting down to maybe what you have done to be perceived as racist in this instance and it's not always something that's dramatic and this big like offensive thing that you've done it could be a really small microaggression and we talked about microaggressions in the training that I did at practice Indy. I talk about them all the time because they are so ever-present in anywhere that you go in the workplace in yoga I mean I've walked into so many yoga spaces and just been like oh are you are you new you know like that is like that can you what does that say you know Mm -hmm. what do microaggressions say um and how does that affect you know the work that we're trying to do and so if you can get past the good bad binary of somebody calling you racist and you're bad, then we can start to do the work and what does doing the work mean, you know, it means something different for many people, depending on where you sort of are in this journey. Um, but yeah,
0: yeah, that it, it exposes the. The word of Vidya, which you know, the process of yoga is to shed light or uncover what we are ignorant mm-hmm. of. And when we take the charge off of the word ignorance, mm-hmm. which I think ignorant, racist, like all these things have such a charge. When you take it off, which I'm working on, like, you know, if someone were to say to my face right now, like, you're a racist, I would absolutely, like my butthole would, right. I, <laughs> 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 I would absolutely clutch my I've never worn pearls, but <laughs> yeah. where they lay on my clavicle. Right. Um, but it it's this process of unveiling the ignorance, unveiling to bring the unconscious, subconscious to the conscious. Mm-hmm. And one of the microaggressions that you brought to my attention was when you hear someone who has an accent mm-hmm. and asking, you know, like, oh, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like that is positioning myself as the norm mm-hmm. and you as the abnormal. And that was just like fucking mind blowing yeah. for me because I was veiled to like, oh, well, you know, everybody sounds like me. And mm-hmm. so it's shit like that. that really, if you're, if you allow the charge to be taken off and just allow yourself to unveil, that is such a beautiful experience. And we, we tend to be so open to that from a physical level, mm-hmm. you know, like unveil the quads as you're doing a shalabhasana or a bow pose or whatever, but it becomes so much more personal, obviously, when it's mental, um, But that's the work, right? Like, that's really... The asana is really just getting us to dive deep into that.
1: Yeah. I will say, too, that a lot of times doing this work, it's like me personally, I am perceived differently because I am relatively palpable to a lot of people, Mm. right? So I am moderately attractive, hopefully. You know, like I... That dewy skin. (laughs) But, you know, it's easier for people to sort of accept me. I Mm. speak... I, I want to say the King's English. My mom would laugh if she heard me say that. But, you know, it's there's a dialect that I speak that's familiar to people. You know, I'm not deeply like... It's just hard. It's easier for people to sort of accept me. I I speak to a lot of my friends who do this work who are plus size or who have some sort of visible disability or maybe have acne or maybe have, you know, there are things that physically in the flesh that you can see to sort of disregard somebody who do this work. And it's drastically different. And so I will say even my own experience, I've experienced walking into spaces and people almost being surprised. I've walked into spaces and people have not thought that I was black, you know, because they've only talked to me on the phone or things like that that are that are. Interesting.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, with that, we had chatted earlier about Sean Corn's book and um, a quote you had shared. No, I don't want to. I don't want to take it. Will you? Will you share the quote and the story and how that
1: relates to that? Yeah. So I'm reading currently Sean Corn, who's a famous yogi. Like, if you there are famous yogis, um, "Revolution of the Soul" is the name of the book, and in it, one of the first chapters she talks about ignoring the story, seeing the soul. And in her book, I don't want to give it away, but she tells stories of when she was working at a nightclub in New York and a gay men's nightclub in New York and sort of the the energy around that work and ignoring the story, seeing the soul is ignoring what is in front of you and really getting to the root of who that person is or, or their life experiences up until that point. And what that does is allow you to really see the humanity in people. Because a lot of times what we do is we see these outwards expressions of how people pre- like present, mm-hmm. and we instantly place them in categories. That's what we do. <clears throat> that's what, that's how our brains operate. And if you can get past sort of what is in front of you, how can you see the humanity in somebody and get to the root of who they are?
0: Which, don't you think that's such a more evolved... I mean, you just said it. like that. We are built... From a survival mechanism to place things in categories, to group, to separate. And I've always thought of yoga as like a surviving to thriving mechanism. Mm -hmm. That when you unveil your unconscious bias, when you lift the veil of avidya, you're moving away from survival mode Mm -hmm. to like a whole different version of human. Yeah. You know, so I think that's what's so... um, amazing about the work that you do is you are inviting people to be a a new like a newer version of human, a better version of human mm-hmm. um which is fucking hard, yeah. you know? It's like learning a handstand. I mean, it's not an LOL, but yeah. you know what I mean? It's like it, it's completely retraining how we are made to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that is
1: fucking powerful. Yeah. And imagine how I don't want to say much easier, but being white, so you, being white. Well, um, Almost <laughs> <right>? the whitest. <laughs> being white, um, a lot of spaces you walk into are pretty homogenous in that you are not the only white person. Mm-hmm. So if you can think about the experience of a person of color coming to a place like Practice Envy, for example, there are many yoga spaces I walk into and I am the only person of color. So it's not just unique to Practice Envy. Mm-hmm. Um, Imagine the sort of sheaths that you have to sort of get past to even get to that work. You know, I've walked into, and I gave the example of people asking about them um, yoga, but there are countless examples that I've walked into spaces in yoga, and people have just questioned my existence or presence in the space. And so now I'm having to sort of get past that before I can even step on my mat. Mm-hmm. And what does that do for my practice? You know, where I'm looking around and, you know, maybe everybody's sort of checking out what I'm doing or. I remember coming to a class and somebody played the n-word, and what does that do in a room full of white people? And I'm like, do you understand the history of that word and mm-hmm. how it's use? And I understand it's a hip hop song, but like there's so many layers to this work and to even just the personal experience that I've had coming to yoga. How have
0: you, I mean, how have you worked through that? I wouldn't say move past it because I'm mm-hmm. sure it's an everyday, every moment occurrence, but how do you work with that, through that?
1: so i mean this is really not unique to my existence outside of yoga you know i've been the only black supervisor in many of a job you know like several and so um i think there is an internalized sort of like recalibration that happens uh in my own brain and yoga to for me is deeply personal i know there's a community aspect to yoga that is also very powerful but when i come to my mat i've had to make it like a, a very personal I'm here to get what I need out of it and then I leave kind of thing because otherwise I would feel like an outcast True. Mm-hmm. um and so it's probably not the best approach you know it's probably not the most healthy but that's what I've sort of had to do to to you know get past it probably
0: yeah I I guess I just want to say I'm you know I'm sorry for that experience and you know it doesn't change things or heal things but I'm sorry for that experience. Thank you. I um I remember you telling me when you were going through teacher training that, you know, what you would wish for is when you walk into a room for the least most least interesting thing about you to be your race. Mm-hmm. And you know, we I can I'm a mother, but when I walk into a room other than my saggy ass, like you're not, I <laughs> have <laughs> the giant bags under my eyes. Really. You wouldn't you wouldn't naturally know that or assume that, right? Mm-hmm. But race is you can't hide it you see it so that was so powerful for me and definitely something that I I think about every single day how do you think we can we as white people as the uh predominant culture I guess how can we start to change that experience and how can we start to level the playing field Mm
1: -hmm. so I will say first that culture and race like they matter, right? Mm -hmm. So they they deeply matter. Like where I come from, my history, my ancestors, like they all matter in how I step into a space. But I don't want that to be the definition or the defining mechanism that helps you understand how to operate with me, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm so much more than a black woman, Mm -hmm. you know? And I can list the number of things We're all so much more than just the one thing that you can see or or hear or whatever. Um, And I think starting with that, ignoring the story, seeing the soul, is how you sort of begin to process how you can interact with people right and so when you look at me you're not it's natural and it's how our brains are wired back you know these these sort of stereotypes and microaggressions that we express that is natural but until you acknowledge it you cannot change it Mm. and so if you for one, let's go back to like elementary school think before you speak, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) if if something comes up for you and you think about it before you say it, try to think about how that might be perceived, whoever you're saying it to, or the space you're saying it in. That's a very simple thing that you can do to sort of get to like how you can make this better. If you walk into a space and you notice that you're the, somebody's missing, you know, like who's missing from the space, think about why they might be missing, think about what you can do to get them in the space, do they want to be in the space? Is the space inclusive when they walk in, when they feel welcome? You know, there are things that, like that that I think you can start to sort of think about.
0: Hmm. I think to close this up and, and talk about, you know, how we can incorporate it back into our work on and off the mat, like, I think the, the questions of who's missing is those are so important and how can we like how can we practice that in our asana like what would be your recommendation as, as a practitioner of yoga what is something i can think about or process as i'm practicing so that i can make those questions and those practices off of the mat more concrete does that make sense i think so like like we had talked about you know it's your practice on the mat is the individual experience Mm -hmm. right and it's shedding the layers um but then also recognizing one that there's great privilege in getting to shed your layers and keep them off right Mm -hmm. like because again nobody has to see my layers Mm -hmm. in my in the culture the way it's set up so i'm just trying to think of like what is something what is something that we could focus on in our practice to then help seal those questions and that awareness off of the mat and maybe there's not an answer no so
1: I can tell you when I realized that yogas were more than just the asanas it opened up like a whole new world for me Mm. and so the idea of living your yoga is is taking what you experience on your mat into your world and if you experience some sort of clarity um in the way that you that you were raised right so if you come to this revelation on your mat this has happened for me and some people that I know come to this revelation that oh shoot the way I was raised like really deeply affects the way I I view people the way I view you you know if that is a revelation that you have what do you do with that then when you step off your mat are Mm -hmm. you apologizing to people are you going back and saying hey parents like I understand that this is what you thought you were doing when you taught me this but here's what it actually did you know having these conversations with people in your life because The reality is this is something that is deeply personal, something that lives at home with us. And so if we have these sort of like breakthroughs, then sharing those breakthroughs with the people around us is how we begin to change a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had conversations with my own parents, Who uh, are baby boomers and who grew up during the height of the civil rights movement and we don't agree on things we don't agree on some of my approaches I don't agree on some of their approaches but we talk about it you know and we we come to an understanding and the way they raised me and my brothers um, how does that sort of shape how we exist in the world. But let's talk about that because that's the only way we're going to heal. So now when we go to family Thanksgiving, it's not awkward because everybody's, you know, (laughs) we're talking. Nobody is like, I want to say it, but I can't, you know, like those kind of things. And how can those sort of patterns become healthy? And, And let me be clear, I know all family units are not, you know, healthy enough or functional enough where you can have these conversations. And so finding a space for you, whether it be therapy, I listen to the therapy podcast, um, or finding your circle, your yoga community. How can you sort of convene to to sort of heal?
0: Mm. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Is there anything else you would, if you could leave a mark on? I'd imagine, you know, I don't know, actually, lols, but I'd imagine the majority of people listening to this are white. So mm-hmm. is there any other, like, considerations or Offerings practices you could give to start to yeah help help have those conversations.
1: Mm-hmm. I would just say find the space where you can have them because a lot of times, from my anecdotal research of white people, don't <laughs> don't have people that they can talk to about it, mm-hmm. or they don't have people that understand when they say microaggressions. What I mean, the people, the number of people when I do trainings who have never heard of a microaggression is it's an academic term but like even the concept of it is really remarkable to me and so when you talk to people do they even understand what you're saying and can you find that space or that person or that energy so when you do bring these things up when you do want to begin to like unveil these layers you have room to do that I think it's so critical
0: Mm. well thank you um I I think uh it's important for me to to let you know how excited I am that you're going to be on the staff and not just as a black woman. That is is a part of your identity that I obviously think is incredible and appreciate all the work you're doing and I'm so excited for you to come and teach yoga here and be a part of the community. So, thank you for offering both those things and um I I love Oprah. That might that might actually be the widest thing I say all the time. <laughs> I do love Oprah. And I, I think what I've learned about from her is that we can hold our identities in two hands and they can be separate and they or we can put them together. Yeah. And so, you know, as you teach here, I hope you can feel that you are able to hold them in whatever way you want.
1: For sure. I appreciate that. No, that's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I accept it.
0: Question mark emoji? Yeah. Um, cool. Anything else? Uh, no. Thank you. You're welcome.